following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radioland. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radioland. From the home office in Memphis, Tennessee, this is episode 412. Yes, and what a week it has been for us. Uh, the uh, production date uh, today for those keeping scores, the 23rd of January, it is a Sunday, as it is when I usually do this thing. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it's been a wild week. Uh, interestingly enough, a little bit later on in this uh, in this episode, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll give you some more weir- weird detail as to what happened around the studio uh, last Thursday. <clears throat> it was not, it was... Uh, it was not good. Let's just put it that way. Uh, nothing with the station. It's just, uh, I don't know. I'll get to it here in a little while. Uh, coming up, we'll talk a, a bit about uh, uh, what's happening on your television, or not, as the case may be, and uh, and such as, as that. Could it be that we are seeing the end of the pandemic? Is, is this a viable thing? Are we looking at this? I seem to think so. Uh, and I, you know, I'm with I'm with you. I, you know, we've we've been all been kind of rowing along in this weird boat, trying to uh, keep our heads above water and trying uh, try and avoid this as much as possible. I know there are some of you, a good number of you out there, that have had it. Uh, hell, there's a chance I may have had COVID and and not even knew it. Uh, it was just a really I don't know a very surreal time. Uh, if that was the case, I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't get, you know, really sick. Uh, you know, there, there is that, uh, my wife got it, uh, at least she tested positive for it. You know, she always has the holiday crud and, uh, when she had the vid on top of it, I I like to think of it as Fluorona, which could, which could be a thing. That's, you know, that's a, that's a viable thing that, that was, that was out there. And, um, well, you know, here we are, and these the Omicron numbers are starting to wane a bit, as they do. Um, no real uh, variant seems to be cropping up behind this thing, which is good. Uh, it has sparked a lot of people to get their vaccines. It has sparked a lot of people to wear their masks and do all the do all the things you know, do all the good things that you're supposed to do, which is what will help smothered this thing uh personally i think we could have been done with this about ooh, about maybe a year ago maybe <clears throat> optimistic but you know there are people out you know you in, you insert humans into any equation and things are going to be a they're going to be a mess that's just that's just kind of how kind of kind of how that works it had come out uh that um meatloaf not the dish the the singer who passed away this past week had COVID and he, uh, it was quoted. He was quoted as saying, if I die, I die, but I will not be controlled. Hmm. Now there is that. I made that statement on Twitter and on Facebook just to, you know, spread the word. And I got accused of politicizing it. I didn't insert politics into it. That's the way the man thought. If I die, I die. I do not want to be controlled. That's a direct quote. That's what he said, allegedly. That's according to several sources that are out there, TMZ being one of them. And TMZ is pretty reliable. Believe it or not, they, they really are. It's run by an attorney. Of course, he's gonna, it's going to be reliable. Nevertheless, uh, he's gone, and, uh, and, there is, and there is that. 
So, you know, do the things, do the right things, and we can get it all behind us. And and wouldn't that be something? Maybe, maybe midsummer, late summer, we can be in a position where you know we can we can do the things that we like to do. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I'm being optimistic about it, that's for sure. And uh, I don't know. No amount of boosters, I guess, would I don't know completely stop it. But it all depends on you know how we're all made up. You know, biologically speaking. So. Be careful, do the right things, and all of that. We'll pause. We'll be back. Coming up, the stream. Yeah, I'm talking about television. Some interesting stuff has happened there. That's coming up uh, just out of this brief break, so uh, don't run away. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans, and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-668-0042. 800-668-0042. 800-668-0042. That's 800-668-0042. We've talked a bunch about it here on this program, the the use of streaming television over cable. We were talking cutting the cable over, what, over two years ago, I think, on this show. And, uh, and, and boy, America did get behind it and corporate wasn't going to have no part of that. And it, you know, there for a minute, there for a brief moment, <laughs> there for a brief moment, it, uh, we got to enjoy some pretty cool stuff at, at, at a significantly reduced price. You see, uh, Netflix was really starting to grow and, you know, um, there were others streaming. So Hulu was, was really, it was a, that was a more of a larger thing than everybody else thought, but yeah, there was a, there was a lot going on there, and we all kind of took advantage of the fact that hey, we can we can live a pretty good life now, television wise, until well, until things got costly, and that was that's what's been going on. Everybody's been like, "What the hell? This is what we got away from cable from." Well, I'm not going to harp on that. That's not what this is all about, because we've all we've all know that. Aside from the fact that Netflix raised its rates, yeah, that uh, that was kind of a. Kind of a dick move, really. Uh, it was the second time they had done that, uh, both times within the pandemic, uh, the first of it during the lockdown. And it came across as being a bit, well, a bit greedy. And to this day, it seems a, lit, a little bit greedy. But there's a little bit more to the story, apparently. Uh, they raised its monthly subscription price by a dollar to $2 a month here in the U.S. and Canada, you know, depending on the plan that you have. And apparently that's to help pay for new programming. And that's to compete in what they're, what's being called the crowded streaming television market. Um, well, that's, there's all sorts of wrong with that statement. Uh, that, that came from Reuters, as a matter of fact. Um, the television market, the streaming television market is not crowded. As a matter of fact, um, there's, uh, there's not enough of it. The more we have, and this is just my my observation, the more we have, the less we get to see. That's what it seems like, or the less we want to see, because it's it's garbage. There's there's so much garbage out there. 
According to Reuters, the standard plan, which allows for two simultaneous streams, now costs $15.49 a month, up from $13.99. You folks in Canada are having to deal with this. Standard plan climbed uh, to $16.49 Canadian money from $14.99. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Now, here's what, here's what happened. Immediately when, when that news came out that Netflix was going to be raising their rates, you could hear a collective groan across the country. Because uh, like, oh, really? This again? And, and then you heard a lot of people say, hey, I'm out of this. Fuck all this. I'm done. Uh, you know, this is too much. It is now the single most expensive streaming service a consumer can have. However, shares of Netflix gained nearly 3% on NASDAQ after the news broke of the price increases. And they ultimately closed at 1.3% higher on that day that that happened. Uh, by the way, a, a, a share of uh, Netflix, if you're if you're hip, $525.69 as of, what, what, as of when? When was the date of this? Uh, I guess as of the 15th of January. So in and around. The reason why that date's a little more important because here more recently... Not so much. Netflix stock tumbled 41% from an all-time high it hit just two months ago. And uh, the the number of subscribers it's gaining is, well, it's gone from a, a waterfall to a trickle. Yeah. This is, this is going to be interesting. The, company, uh, the company's answer to all this is, that, well, it just raised prices so things are slowing down. Well, the reality is, is that it's becoming more competitive. So when you know when you make reference to a you know a a crowded uh, streaming television market, now we all now have choices. So, you know, it's supply and demand, in in some aspect. You know, if if there's a lot of people, you know, like broadcast, you know, time is 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 the most valuable thing, right? It really is. Everybody has a finite amount of time. And if you want to devote your time watching something, you want to get your money's worth, right? And that's that's been part of the part of the deal here. Um, you know, at one point Netflix was the they were the top dog. They were everything. And um they're starting to lose their footing in this television streaming business because, well, competition. Yeah. And then they then this boneheaded move of raising their prices. <clears throat> um Michael Nathanson is a, a media analy- an, an, analyst analyst. He's a he's a he's a guy that watches these things. He said that uh, it looks like they're hitting maturity. They keep raising their prices, and now in order to maintain a level of subscribers they have, they continually add more and more new content. And the content is inherently a hard business to predict with peaks and valleys. Yes, but here's also the problem. I mean, content. Yes, content is king. We heard that from Bill Gates many, 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 many years ago. And the the point here is that if if content is where it's all at, then don't suck. That's sort of the key here. Having content that sucks is not going to keep your listeners or viewers or, or whatever. It, it's I can go through. Look, I'm, I'm like anybody else. I could go through the Netflix menu and probably find a few things that I might want to watch. But I don't know that I would. You know, I think the only reason why we keep it is my wife watches it a lot more than I do. I I'm, I'm I don't really watch that much television anymore these days, but I'm I watch those who watch it. 
if you if you if you get what I'm saying. And that's and that's and that's part of the part of the deal. And it's interesting. If the content's no good, what's going to happen? This, they've been putting, they've been cranking on stuff next and next and next. You know, here's what, here we got this going on, that going on, and and it kind of blows. There's there's a few things, you know, and it's tough. It it is tough. When we were talking about stock prices, by the way, the company stock peaked at just just under seven hundred dollars back in November, seven hundred bucks a share, and now it's way below that. Um, it's about four hundred bucks now. As of this past Friday, it was. Uh, they have, it says here, Netflix ended 200, excuse me, Netflix ended 2021 with 221.8 million subscribers. That number seems a bit low. Although it says that's significantly more than others in the streaming marketplace, including Disney, its closest competitor with a 118.1 million subscribers uh, as of October, and it grew subscriptions 60% between October 2020 and October 2021. Huh. And during that same time, Netflix Netflix grew only nine percent. Yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting stuff that's happening here, and I think the real winners of all of this is you and I. Uh, you know, because really, if you think about it, if everybody's providing the same sort of stuff, you know, the prices of products go up or down based on the availability of it. You know, the supply of it, the demand of it. So if you are fortunate enough to be in a position to be one of the only ones offering, you know, offering a product that everybody wants, then you're in great shape. Now, the second other people start offering that same product, then, of course, you are forced to, you know, reduce your prices. But here, Netflix got a little greedy here and they got their hands caught in a cookie jar and they raised their prices. Hmm. I don't know about how all that's going to play out. I think in the long run, this is this is going to be uh, this is going to be an issue here, because Netflix struggling to find more people to sign up in the market has been well. It's been playing in you know in the longest, particularly the United States. Uh, the company is going to have to start aggressively going after growth in developing markets, such as India and other Asian Pacific countries, to keep moving forward. Um, eventually, though. The world is going to get swallowed up. That was according to this Nathanson cat. It's going to get. It's going to get sort of swallowed up. There's only going to be so much anybody's going to be willing to take on and do, as far as a consumer, and as far as content is concerned. So the problem with relying exclusively on subscriptions for revenue is, after a while, well, you just run out of people who haven't subscribed. Now, for Wall Street investors, that's not good news. Because that, that creates a ceiling. That creates a ceiling you can hit. Now, this touches directly on one of the paradigms that occurs in the entertainment business. Specifically, when you're talking about this sort of thing. We talked just not long ago about how, we're all, how we are all being subscribed to death, right? We, we, we pay subscriptions for every, anything and everything. And that seemed to be the working business model. And these corporate companies were just, they were, they were, the corporate company, I know that's an oxymoron. Corporate is just squeezing the last dime they can possibly get out of all of us. But eventually that doesn't work. And I've talked about that before. It's, it's, it's sort of a dead end. There's a finite amount that you can go with. And corporate's answer would always be, well, no, that's not the case. Because then we can always raise the rate, and therefore there's more money coming in. But there comes a point when people are going to look at it and go, I'm paying how much for what? No, fuck you. I'm turning it off. Because that's really what you have. You have the ability to turn it off and go somewhere else. Yes. So what's the difference? 
Well, are we looking at a return to an advertising model perchance? Could very well be. If they were smart, they would look into it. But they would have to approach this in a very smart manner. <clears throat> you couldn't have, you know, on, on, you know, on prime content, if you'll pardon the expression, on premium content, you can't run commercials in the midst of a show. You just can't do that. You would have to run, you know, pre-rolls and post-rolls. You really would. You may have to, you know, and this this may be kind of smart on the point of a uh, production standpoint, is that you could create a little miniature uh, 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 intermission, right? Especially in a movie. You find an edit point between scenes that's appropriate, you stop it, you run a couple of minutes of ads, and then you move along. And... The, the, I know the the clapback from that would be you know corporate wide. I'm I'm speaking from corporate. I know audiences have grown about that for a minute, but it's you know certainly better than you know having to you know whip out the wallet every every two months and pay more for this stuff. But corporate's going to say, well, that's there's I can only get so much money for advertising. That's just that's just gravy on the biscuit. You see, well, bullshit. Fox just announced this past week. That for a 30 second ad on the Super Bowl, which is coming up, do you, do you, you're hip to that, right? That's in February. Allegedly, the largest watched television programming in the entire year, which I don't know, could be. I don't know. I haven't really seen it forever because I typically work on that day, but nevertheless, uh, and I have no real vested interest in it. They want $6.5 million for a 30-second spot. And if that number seems oddly low, it's because it kind of is. They had to drop the price a little bit to to entice advertisement. Look, we're in an inflation system right here. I mean, we're all, we're all paying more for everything. And advertisement was one of the first things that businesses had to think about cutting, which is kind of sad that they do, but I get it. There, there's other ways to, you know, to get around that, but still, getting an ad into the Super Bowl will cost for a thirty one one thirty second spot six point five million. I would imagine if you bought more, they probably cut you a little bit bigger a deal, but still, it's a fair amount of money. And who knows what? And I could have researched this going into this, and I didn't because I didn't think I'd go this far. But uh, I don't know what how much. Fox pays, Fox Sports pays for the broadcast rights. So, you know, that's how that works. Uh, you may not be hip to this, but when you watch a game, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the Super Bowl or, you know, a, a playoff game or, you know, freaking college basketball, it doesn't really matter. Whoever, whoever carries that game pays somebody for the rights to broadcast it, hence the term broadcast rights. So uh, let's just say... Let's look at the Super Bowl. I have no idea. I would imagine it would probably be several hundred million dollars to be the guy that gets to carry or the company that gets to carry the Super Bowl to its audience. Therefore, you know, to make up the difference, you got to turn around and sell ads and you got to make a profit off of it. So I don't know how many commercials are in it. I mean, but you can do the math. If you sat down, if you're one of these folks that are going to sit down and watch the game. Um, it would be interesting to see just how many how many commercials that they had that were that were broadcast on a national level. Now, the local your local Fox affiliate will also have some local time built into that. And I don't think that they're get, they're not getting anywhere near that kind of dough. But uh, but but that's that's kind of how that works. They they get to make their money that way, and they have to turn a profit somehow because 
it's a it's a big deal. Allegedly, a lot of people will watch the game. So far, the way the NFL seems to be shaping up, it looks to be like a fairly decent game. The playoffs have been pretty exciting for the most part, or so I have been told. I haven't really watched a whole bunch of it, but uh, but but so far, the way the season is wrapping up is going to it's going to set forth a final game that's going to be fairly interesting to watch. Plus, they have a large halftime show <coughs> with all the uh, founding fathers, if you will, of rap, or at least all the biggest names in uh, in rap are going to be on there. So, you know, that'll be interesting. Which, by the way, in case you're not hip, the halftime show, nobody gets paid for that. That's right. Nobody collects a single check from performing on the halftime show. They do it for the exposure. It's a fascinating thing. Look at it. As, as all that money that floats around that one event, that one television event, which is what, six hours before pregame? <laughs> or if you include part of the pregame? That's a lot of dough. And then they look at the halftime show like, ah, eh, who cares? And that's really the only thing people will watch because most people that most people that watch the Super Bowl are not in it for the game. They could give a shit about the game. They're in it for the commercials. They're in it for the halftime show. There are some people, of course, that will watch the game and they have a vested interest because they've been watching the entire season and keeping a close eye on, on the sports news and how this, this shakes out. So you got those eyeballs that are on there. But what's amusing about it now, we live in this world, that you don't have to wait for the Super Bowl to see those commercials. As a matter of fact, about the week of the game, the week before the Sunday game, every one of those commercials will be available online. That's a thing they started doing, I guess, not they, but that companies have been doing, I guess, over the past three or four years now. And they just they just unload them. So here, here are the commercials that we're running. And then there's somebody that usually compiles them all together and then runs it as one long video of all the commercials. I would imagine that Fox is probably not too pleased with that, but that's that's the way it goes. There are some of us, like I mentioned, I'm one of them. I you know, I work that night. Uh, I know the game is on during the day, but there's a blues show, and it's, oddly enough, one of our most listened events on, uh, on the blues show on Sunday nights because, I don't know, I guess because... People are tired of that kind of, I don't know. They're looking for something that's not so plastic and, and weird, which is what, which is what the NFL really is all about. It's a spectacle. It's this, I don't know. I don't know how you want to describe it, but it's, it's, there's no reality based in it. It's, uh, you know, the only time it gets real is when, you know, one of the players gets hurt and, and I hate to say it like that, but that's, that's a, that's a thing. So yeah. So streaming services are going to be hurting a little bit on that. Uh, Over-the-air television will do well because that's where it's at. That's for those of us that don't have cable. If you have cable, you can find the game anywhere. If if you're if you're not on cable and you and you have an antenna like a lot of people do, you find your local Fox affiliate and away you go and you're watching the game, like the rest of America. You know, eating really grimy food and drinking cheap beer and having a time with all of your friends and hopefully not passing the COVID around. Or you might be one of those folks that say, I'm going somewhere else. You know, I might go to a bar, you might go to a restaurant, you might go somewhere. Um, I didn't mean for this to be <coughs> a complete teardown of, of the Super Bowl, which, by the way, I violated that rule. I'm not allowed to use that word Super Bowl, apparently. But I don't give a shit. So, I mean, if the NFL doesn't want me to, want me to promote their thing, then, then then that's fine. They'll just send me a cease and desist, and if that's the case, I'll pull this episode down. Nobody will, nobody will be the wiser. And, or I may go back and bleep it, which might be kind of funny, too. So, anyway, back to the stream here. So, what's going to happen? 
How much money are you willing to pay for all of that? That's I think that's the real question too. You know, what's in your budget? And are you going to be paying so much now that that cable became a more attractive offer again? And we're going to go back and forth on that boat until the cable companies go, oh, hey, (laughs) welcome back. I see you come crawling back to me. Ah, that's what's going on. Well, things are going to be different now with you back in here. It's going to be different. That's what they're going to tell you. We're going to give you less and charge you more. Mark my words. Those of you who will go back to cable will find out that you will get less and pay more because the cable companies are greedy. They've always been. Now the streamers are getting greedy. You know this is coming. You got to prepare yourselves. I'm telling you, it's like what I've said before all along. The best way to get out of all of this is just to turn off your goddamn television. Hi, this is Reverend Oma with the Broom Closet Metaphysical Shop. We have a huge selection of spiritual supplies and gifts for whatever your path or practice. We stock hundreds of gemstones and specimens and carry a variety of beautifully crafted gemstone jewelry starting at just $10. Our talented staff offer tarot readings, aura and chakra analysis, and sound baths. Book your appointment or shop online at thebroomclosetmemphis.com or visit our shop in downtown Memphis at 552 South Main. Come to the Broom Closet and let us help you light your path. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. A frequent punching bag on this program, of course, is corporate America, and a lot of it is, well, frankly, well-deserved. I, like many of you, have spent some time along those slimy halls of corruption and greed and saw what really happened on a first, uh, you know, first-hand basis. And now people that were standing around with her, with this whole crypto notion, right? Crypto coin became a big deal. A lot of money was being made in the, the, hey, the salad days of the Bitcoin, I think, may be behind us. Why is this, you say? Well, as the bottom continues to fall out, huh, yeah, at least as of the production of this thing, and it changes minute by minute, of course, you're starting to see a real reason why this is happening. And it's simple. Wall Street investors have decided to start adding crypto coin as part of their portfolios for these fat cats on Wall Street. Ha! How about that shit? It's time to find something else. Hey, I've got some lint. What do you pay for it? For previous episodes, go to radio-memphis.com. To download episodes to your mobile device, search the show in iTunes, player.fm, stitcher.com, pocketcast, or tune in. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. Right, there you go. You heard what's coming up next time on the program. Um, I want to take a, a, a few moments here and, uh, and uh, hip you to what happened. Uh, for the, I don't know. There was We were being sort of, uh, I don't know, sort of coded, even though we were, we were there was nothing veiled about it. Uh, Thursday at the radio station, Thursday morning, uh, this past Thursday, whatever date that was. Um, today's the 23rd. Do the math. Uh, we had an incident that occurred at um, at the Emmons Building on Poplar. Uh, those of you in Memphis would know us uh, right across the street from Schlotzky's is where we are. Poplar between Colonial and Perkins is where we are. And uh, 
it's a busy spot here of late. We've got a lot of shows in and out of there and a lot of things that are going on. And LJ and I were doing the morning show as we do each and, uh, each and every weekday. 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. There's your plug. Um, so Thursday morning, um, uh, a little after 11, I went upstairs to pee, which is where the bathrooms are. They're up on the second floor. So I, I went upstairs and uh, paid the rent on the coffee, if you will. And when I came back down the stairs, when I got to the landing, there's a big window there that kind of looks out onto our parking lot. And, of course, we see the train tracks. And there's you know, it's the southern line. It's the CN line that runs right behind us. And uh, this, this, there was a train. There's always a train back there. It's busy. And uh, they're always honking their horns right there because as they get to Colonial or Perkins, depending on which direction they're coming from, of course, they're going to sit on that horn for a minute and start clearing traffic and let the gates close and all that other fun stuff. But this, this was different. This was a horn... And I know they're not any different. It was just combined with other sounds that I heard. This horn was loud, and it was long, and it wouldn't stop. There's usually like a little couple of blasts, but this was just like one long, continuous honking of the horn. And I and it was mixed with. It was mixed with the sound of 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 metal grinding. Which is an alarming sound when you're that close to it. And I, uh, the train was in motion. It was clearly trying to stop. And I, and I, uh, went on back down the last half of the stairs onto the, onto the, into the lobby of the building where we have, uh, we have glass doors on each side. And I walked over toward the parking lot, which is where the railroad tracks are. They're about, I don't know, 60, 75 feet or so from the, from the, uh, the back door. So there, I mean, the parking lot butts right up against the tracks. And that train had just ground to a stop right there. And I opened up the door and I looked out there and something, something I could tell seemed, seemed to miss. There was something underneath the back axle of one of the cars that was directly in front of me, you know, just right there adjacent to the door. And I looked over, it was, it was in this particular case, it was heading east. So I was, you know, it was going from my right to left. It had stopped short of Colonial. So the road was still open. I looked over to my right, and there was a there was a guy in another building down down the way who was running up toward me, and uh, uh, he was like, "What the hell's going on?" and And I walked over toward the train where I saw what I didn't know was up underneath the the, the wheel. I said, "Well, clearly they hit something." And I looked, and I thought, "Well, that's a big dog," except it wasn't. That dog, if you will, was wearing a plaid winter coat a wool plaid coat uh further down to my right about 30 feet 25 30 feet i was like what is that then the guy looked at it and i said is that what i think that is and the guy said yeah and he took off and he ran i never saw him again the rest of the afternoon uh it was a man's leg uh, f- severed from just below the knee knocked him out of his shoes his shoes were even further back. He got hit probably, oh, I don't know, 150 feet before you know everything stopped right there, and he was caught up under the under the under the track there. That was that was really kind of thankfully all I really witnessed was the I didn't see it happen. Thank God that would have been awful. But um, I saw the aftermath of it, and of course when these things happen, you know, trains hitting people. Uh, never, it never ends well. It never does. And on on my side of the tracks where I was standing was uh, his shoes, 
his his leg, his foot. I don't know what I don't know which if it was left or his right it's moot point. And apparently on the other side of the tracks, thank God, there were other parts. So he was he was fairly well scattered as happens in, in these matters. So LJ came upstairs, uh he called nine one one. Turned out he was the first one to make the call to our to our city's emergency system. They they were unaware of it. Uh, while this is going on, I had called the owners of the building, our our, our landladies, and you know the the folks over at Graber, and talked to them and let them know what was going on, just so they just so they were in the loop, there because their offices are in a different building. And by that point, the uh, conductor of the train was out there trying to figure out what was going on, and he confirmed it. And uh, uh, yeah, well, to make a long story short, there were a bunch of people that showed up. I mean, there was of course. The Memphis Fire Department was was there. They weren't there long because this ultimately, as I learned, is out of their jurisdiction. This is handled by the railway for the most part. Um, the county medical examiner came out there. There was the uh, Memphis Police Department. Uh, there were there were undercover weird black cars that showed up. It was it was kind of odd. And I wound up talking to a police officer who came to secure our parking lot. Uh, really nice guy, and uh, he said, "Yeah, this is this is not being investigated through the city of Memphis, aside from the fact that the homicide department comes in." They get involved in it. Now it's not. It, it wasn't. wasn't a homicide. I mean, there was. It wasn't. It wasn't like a criminal type of thing going on here. It was. It was. Uh, it's some guy gets killed, and that's the process. That's the department by which it goes through. And so the investigation thus began, and there it was. From eleven, this happened at a. At a he he got hit at eleven seventeen. I'm told. Uh, I missed. I missed the, witnessing the whole thing probably by about forty five seconds. And uh, thank God I didn't want to see that. Jeez, nobody, nobody needs to see that. And I'll, and I'll tell you, that. I'll explain on it in a minute. But uh, so, at any rate, um, the uh, the people in charge were doing all their investigations. They didn't talk to anybody in the neighborhood, which you know, which is which is, I guess they didn't they didn't need to. I suppose uh, there wasn't like there was any. I'm sure if there were any witnesses, they'd still be hanging around. But uh, they closed off, um, you know, the street behind the track, which is uh, Southern Avenue, and then they. Poplar was just a standstill in traffic. It was it was brutal. So between let's say eleven thirty, about by the time all the law enforcement got there and the time they had cleared it out, it was a little after three, I think it was Central Time. And I was getting ready to leave for the day when I thought, well, I can slip out of the parking lot here because tr- the traffic on Poplar was starting to open back up, and I thought, well, I could just slip on out of here. Well, you know, uh, they didn't take the body away or any of his parts. He was still there. Now, when I got up there to put, you know, my stuff in my car to leave, well, they were kind of doing the same thing with him. They were, uh, they were picking him up and, you know, hauling him off. And they had, you know, they had these curtains around, which is great. You know, nobody needs to see all this because it's, you know, it's gruesome. It's, you know, it's, it's, everybody thinks it's cute and all, but it's kind of gross. Uh, so I asked one of the guys, I said, um, I'm going to ask a dumb question. The guy was pretty cool about it. And he goes, yeah, what's up? And I said, um, how, how do you know when you have all the parts? I mean, that's a gruesome question to ask, but I don't want to pull in here tomorrow morning and, you know, drive over a spleen. I mean, what do you, what do you do? And the guy says they, when they, when they, rem- this is, this happens all the time. I and mean, this is such a frequent occurrence in, in our world that they, they do this. And he says, well, our procedure is we pick up the parts and we lay them out you know, in in the, I don't know, in a truck, I'm presuming a van of some sort, maybe an ambulance. Shit, I don't know. I didn't see it was on the other side of the track. Uh, but they 
they reassemble the guy to make sure that there's nothing missing. That's how they do it. So sure enough, by the time I got back there to, uh, uh, the next morning, um, it was all cleaned up. They even picked up his shoes, which didn't need to see. They're probably in a thrift store somewhere now. Uh, they did leave behind one of those blue tarps that they used to cover a body part with. And so I was thinking, you know, there's, there's always that thought that, well, gee, I wonder what's underneath that. Huh? Uh, uh. So at any rate, it's sad. Uh, we think, you know, our, our running theories, we think we know who the guy was, uh, oddly enough. Uh, if you'll recall about a month ago, there was a, there was a, there was a homeless guy who, who approached LJ and I out in the parking lot one day and, uh, he was, God, he was drunk as hell. And, uh, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, uh, you know, he was just, he was just talking. He was talking about how he had been, uh, he'd been homeless for 25 years and LJ had said, well, maybe it's time for a career change. Uh, and it's odd because, well, in any rate, we, we went on to do our thing. We, and we, we came back up and it turned out he had passed out in the parking lot, you know, right in the, just causing a problem. Law enforcement had to get called again and haul this guy off because we didn't know what was going on. I think it was that guy a month later coming down those tracks that got hit. And I'll tell you why is that that night when I got home Thursday night, I was trying to do some work here and I, it was kind of hard to focus on anything because, you know, I, I, you know, being involved in a recreation of stand by me was not on my agenda for that day. So yeah, that day was a little, that evening was a little rough and, and there were these images that were flying up because, you know, I was, was looking at some pretty gory shit, but one of the things that popped into my head was this, this guy's shoes, which looked familiar i don't know everybody wears shoes and all but just for some reason that pair of shoes seemed to kind of stand out and the fact that i first noticed the thing underneath the the uh, uh the train was his torso uh wearing the coat that i knew he was wearing because i had to give that description to uh, the police department when the, when he first was up there being a drunken bum and then it all kind of came back to me it's like well yeah that probably was the case because you know nobody really knows what goes through someone's head aside from a 40 million ton train when they're doing these sorts of things it, was he was he was he being suicidal was he was he wearing his earbuds and listening to the you know to the latest you know metallica record what was he doing was he drunk and just not paying attention who knows and if it's who i think it was this guy had a you know, this guy had lived a life on the streets that was really tough. And if anything, it goes to it goes to point out one simple thing. This is my takeaway from all of this: is that the fragility of the human being is is incredible. We're also very resilient, but in the blink of an eye, this man's life was gone. And in that blink of an eye, the lives of 15, 20, 30 people that were there cleaning up this this whole thing and all the people that were stuck in traffic and all the people that didn't know what was going on and they were complaining because they couldn't get down to the goddamn Chick-fil-A in time for lunch. All of their lives were somehow impacted by this one thing. It's heavy to think about. And I know it's, hey, it's, it's a guy who lost his life, you know, move along. Yeah, I could be thin about it, you know, I could make whatever joke. We, I, You know, that's how we cope with it sometimes. I made the joke on the air that some guy caught a train outside the, the studio. Well, whatever. It's dark, it's weird, but, you know, or as LJ said, well, at least he didn't have to come a part of the whole thing. But there's that. He did. In one of the most gruesome way fashion that you can that you can, that you you can can think of. Uh, that you can imagine, I should say. So there you go. That's what happened. That's what we were all talking about uh, this past Thursday. And uh, kind of, you know, put a... 
put a pisser into the week. I tell you, that's, that's what that is. So there we go. We move along, and that's what we do. You heard what's coming up next time on the program. I'm out of here. Uh, thank you so much for streaming, tuning in, downloading, whatever it is that you do to get this program. Thank you so very much. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And for God's sake, stop shooting each other, all right? I'm Rick Cheddar, and this has been from Radio Land. Rick Cheddar from Radio Land is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com.